Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 704 cast after a very lengthy delay, hiatus, whatever you may call it. Uh, we're back and boy, do the guys have some thoughts for you on this one. Um, a lot's kind of changed and a lot's transpired since we uh, last were able to speak with you on uh, holidays and uh, everybody uh, trying to get on the same page. Uh, and also Panthers just not being fun to watch these days. Have kind of played a part into this. Uh, Wes and Corey, good to see you guys. Good to have you all back. Uh, how's everybody been? Been I've been better when it comes to Panthers football. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but other than that, doing pretty good. Good to get get on the mic with you guys. And I, th I think this is going to be cathartic for for the three of us to to kind of get out get out some things. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely. A lot has happened. Um, and, you know, I know it's been a long time, but life happens. And, you know, as much as we'd love it to be, this isn't our full time job. And um, yeah, some things have gotten, you know, better. Some things have gotten worse since we were last all three together. But uh, we're just going to keep on rolling and roll with the punches. And like Matt said, the, the Panthers not being very fun to watch or talk about have certainly not helped uh matters at all so no uh, no not at all and especially with the dysfunction that seems to be going around uh, at least when it comes to coaching decisions which is going to be a hot topic of of this uh episode but i mean we're riding a, a four game losing streak and there's no there's no end in sight to this uh and you know aside from that that cardinals uh win when when cam came in and facing the, uh, the depleted cardinals at the time uh I mean, I don't, I don't really know what there is to be excited about right now. If you're a Panthers fan, uh, there's really you know, not much. I mean, outside of the the cam stuff, but it's 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 really we're we're at the, we're at the depressing part of the season, and I think that's mainly because we're out of the playoff picture, and there's no there's no player development going on, which is something that we've talked about for a while, and it's the hot topic in the media too. But, I mean, Brady Christensen, Deontay Brown, Terrace Marshall, all these young guys, you know, this is the, the point now where you're eliminated from the playoff picture, and this is a chance to, to see what you have with the younger guys and something that at least Ron did, you know, late in the season when, you know, we were, we were out of the playoff picture or, you know, even the, the season where we turned it around and went seven, eight, and one and made the playoffs. I mean, at least 
you know, him making the changes to, to Andrew Norwell and, and, and playing Josh Norman, you know, this kind of gave the, uh, the, the team an uh, energy boost, but you know, now you watch the game and it's, it's what, let me go out here and see how many run calls we, we, we call for the game. Um, it's uh, I mean, and outside of, of Cam running the football, uh, I don't really know if there is much of a, of a running game to our offense. So that makes talks of Sam Darnold playing this weekend, even more head scratching. Yeah, Matt, and I think that the word that you used that was pretty perfect and really hit the nail on the head was dysfunction because that's what, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is has been going on really all year, but it's been really just apparent in the past four weeks. Um, I don't know what direction I would say we are heading in as an offense. I don't know what you'd even call us at this point. It's just kind of like – discombobulation of randomness uh every time there's no cohesion there's no direction there's no anything on the offensive side of the ball I mean aside from you know we make it into the goal line and and Cam runs in I mean that's really it there there there's even less now if that's possible than with Joe Brady which who I you know was made a scapegoat you know I'd say what you want about Joe Brady. I don't think he was the the main problem um, with what's going on with the offense and what has been going on with the offense all season. Um, it's what I've talked about. You remember back all offseason, we talked about offensive line, offensive line, a hammered home offensive line. And uh, yet again, a staff as a whole that refuses to address the offensive line. And if you think that Cam Irving, Pat Elfline, is addressing the offensive line, then you don't belong anywhere in the NFL. And until they fix that point, it doesn't matter. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, what what the fuck ever, it doesn't matter. Because until that's fixed, this is going to be more of the same. And I, I don't I, I, think I, is the person to, to do that. I, I just want to stop you there. I, I don't want Russell Wilson anywhere near my team. <laughs> of course not. I don't – obviously, I, I – I fucking hate Russell Wilson. I won't. I don't want any part of Russell Wilson. But I'm just you know, throw X player into the blank name out there, drafted guy, veteran guy. It doesn't matter who is back there if the offensive line on one bookend is Cam Irving. I just you're going to continue to see more of this. And then Brady's arms are just too short, though. Corey, oh, they're, 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 they're just too short. It's got to be Cam because his arms are so long. Well, then, you know, that's the most baffling part about me because the, the most time I think that anybody's had all season, Sam included, was in the Washington game when Brady was starting at left tackle. So it's like, I, I, I mean, I don't know what Matt Rule is seeing. I don't know what Brady Christensen has done to Matt Rule. Uh I really don't, but like Matt said, too, this is the point in the year. The season's over, guys. Matt, like, I know you think in some way you're coaching for your job, and maybe you are, but at the same time, man, the season's over, and you need to start evaluating what is on your roster. We need I, – I don't care if they shut DJ down and Robbie down for the rest of the year and run with Shy and Terrace, and that's it for the rest of the year. There is no excuse – no excuse that Willie Sneed saw the field last week 
and Terrace is getting the snaps that he's getting. It makes me sick to my stomach. Willie Sneed with a target in the red zone on fourth down, too, at that. I mean, just things that make you, you know, say what the hell is going on here. And, and, and more proof, in my opinion, that this man has no business being the coach of, a, of an NFL team, let alone having the power to make the decisions that he, he has been making. I mean, let's let's recap this. So he fires Joe Brady because he thinks that the offense needs a spark and, and they're not on the same page. And that's that's pretty clear. I mean, Joe Brady is a, a forward thinker and Matt Rule is somebody who is stuck in the 1980s. Can I say one thing? Can I correct you, Matt? One thing I just want to put in there. He fired Joe Brady because Joe Brady didn't want to run the ball 40 times a game. That's why he fired Joe Brady. But then yeah. they proceeded to run the ball. The, the game after was like the least they've run the ball all year. The game after firing. So you you step outside your comfort zone of your Matt rules, as he as he says, and he brings in his good old boy, his friend, his 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 longtime friend, Jeff Nixon. And this is no no shot at Jeff Nixon at all. I mean, he, he's a fine coach at, for running backs, but you you give him the offensive coordinator gig, whether it be temporary or he ends up being the permanent hire. And because he's going to run the ball, he's going to follow the offense that you want out there. So. In my opinion, they should have promoted Sean Ryan to offensive coordinator, at least uh, in the meantime. I mean, try it out for the season. But this is somebody who has experience calling plays at the NFL level, other than just bringing in your friend who will do what you want and run the offense as you want. And no shot against, I mean, like I said, Jeff Nixon. I think, you know, he, he's done some good things uh, with the offense. Um, but to my point here is that if you don't have Cam Newton back there running the football, then you don't have much of a running game because – uh, I mean, the production out of the, the running backs has been minimal, uh, whether it be Chuba tripping himself up uh, or then, you know, you're, you're rotating uh, Amir Abdullah in there uh, and some other guys. But I, I really don't know why we have this, why, why we're determined to run the football 30 times a game. And it's, it's pretty evident that we don't have faith in any of the quarterbacks on the roster, which is once again a Matt Rule thing because he is now 0 for 2 with his guys at quarterback. So you want to run the football 30 times a game to try to prolong the game and, and hold in there. But there's no progression with this offense. There's no plan of what we want to do week in and week out. Um, I mean, I will say that Cam's done a good job of getting Robbie the football and Jeff's done a good job of getting Robbie involved. But you think that they want to go back to playing with Sam, which uh, Matt Rule has said that he will play some this weekend against Tampa. If you think that those guys want to go out there and try to catch hospital balls again, or if they want to go back to a guy who's missing reads and players are visibly upset on the sidelines, then that shows me that you've kind of you're out of touch with with the locker room and the fan base uh, in general. And so, my biggest issue with Matt and and this this podcast is likely going to be all over the place with just us airing out our grievances. So forgive me for just hopping around. Um, but my biggest issue with Matt is not not Matt from the podcast, but Matt Rule. <laughs> my biggest issue with Matt Rule is it's just not taking accountability for any of it either. It, when you watch a, a press conference after every game, he is quick to throw someone under the bus. Someone. Um, when Sam was the quarterback, it was the defense's fault. When Cam was the quarterback. Cam is the topic of discussion. Last year when Teddy was the quarterback, Teddy was the topic of discussion. And it's it's never been Matt Rule's fault. He's never taken accountability for something. And, and I think he, that's finally caught up to him a little bit this week because he, he had to backtrack 
this week after watching some film and and probably seeing the backlash that he was getting um, because you watch Cam Newton step up there in a press conference and he takes accountability. That's on me. Like, like that's on me that, that I need to play better, but, but Matt and, and the clip that, that really just solidified this shit for me was, and I mean, I've been out on Matt rule since there's a podcast three months ago saying I'm out on Matt rule, but the, the clip where he, where someone asked him, how do you turn around a four game losing streak this late in the season? And he said, I don't, they have to do that they being the players saying that, that I, the coach can't control that. I have no ability to, to change this, to turn this around. And that's just insane. It's, it's a clown show. It's, I don't, I don't know how you as David Tepper can watch this and, and think that, that, that Matt rule is taking your franchise that you paid two and a half billion dollars for in the right direction. You come from the Steelers who do nothing like this. They, if you look at a blueprint of, of a good NFL franchise for a long time, it is the Steelers. Like that, that is the blueprint to do it. And guess what? It looks nothing like this. Matt Rule makes more money than Mike Tomlin. Don't forget that. <laughs> and I've been tossing this around in my, my, some of my group chats and, and around friends. And just as a, we all want Rule gone. And, and I said, well, what if Tepper can throw the bag just – whatever he wants at Tomlin. I mean, obviously, yeah. Mike, I mean, Mike Tomlin wipes his ass with Matt Rule. Like, literally, Mike Tomlin has, like, never had a losing season. I think that's still standing, right? Could be wrong on that. Never had a losing season. He was winning games with Clifton Duck as his quarterbacks. Or, not Clifton Duck, but – uh. Whatever that dude, that, that third-string backup quarterback they made the playoffs with, like, there is no excuse for the disorganization, the discombobulation, the just utter mess that is this team at the moment. I mean, God bless Bill Snow because the defense at least has some semblance of, you know, direction and gets it together on a week-to-week basis. I mean, and sometimes they're just outmatched, but the offense – is like geriatric. I mean, it's just I don't even know what you describe it. And like you said, no accountability whatsoever, none whatsoever. He'd be like, "Oh well, we got to coach better." It's never I have to coach better. We have to coach better. Uh, you, my assistants, like, it's just I was tr- I gave him every bit of the doubt. I said I kept saying up until two weeks ago, maybe we'll turn it around. Maybe we'll turn it around. You know, we got this extra playoff spot. I'm just done, man. I'm done. I've been done. Matt Rule just needs to go. I'm sorry. He needs to go. And if I'm telling you what's going to really make me done is if we somehow miraculously get a stupid win here in the last three weeks, because that would be the most heart – like, if you to screw up the culture – Culture, culture. Yeah, and that, and that, probably, that culture win did so, so much for him last year. I mean, because at this point, man, like, just throw, just throw, get, throw me another dagger. Just stab me in the back one more time with this waste of a year, this waste of two years, really. Uh, I, I don't know what's going through Dave Tepper's mind. All I'm going to say is if by some crazy miracle happenstance, 
that Matt Rule lasts another year. David Tepper, Scott Vitter, and Dan Morgan, they need to have a little powwow. And they need to say, look, man, we're bringing somebody in here on offense, and you're either going to get with the program and who's going to come? Who, who's going to who's going to want to to get? Who's going to want to go come to do that? Nobody. Well, There's yeah, no if they good do come. If they do come, then you know they got to know that they're on the hot seat because I mean, if Matt doesn't get fired this year, then the next year nothing's changing. The expectations are just even higher, and the pressures to turn things around is is even greater. So anybody coming in from the outside is going to know that. Oh shit! Like I may only have a job for like four months. Well, I don't know. I mean, if Tepper throws a bag at somebody, uh, you know, somebody can like, you know, maybe a, a, a Doug Peterson sees it as a stepping stone. Uh, I mean, I know you guys scoffed at me in the group text the other day, but Jim Caldwell, some, some steadying factor on the offensive side of the ball that's done it before at a high level and can show Matt Rule what needs to happen on the offensive side of the ball and Matt Rule needs to stay. I, I want him nowhere near player evaluations. Tell me what nowhere. What, what does Matt Rule do as a coach? He doesn't he call per, plays. Make, he make person. He makes personnel decisions and he throws people under the bus. <laughs> okay, so you stick to personnel decisions, and so then he. I mean, he's. It's pretty evident that Cam Irving's his well, he guy. He had his little play sheet. He has a little play sheet on the sideline. This well, yeah. Yesterday. If he's not complaining about getting pushed by other players on the sidelines while his Baylor products are out there getting unsportsmanlike conducts and personal fouls and shit and costing us fifteen that yards DBO on third down. That DBO sign was man. Maybe he needs really, it. Maybe he bottom needs bottom four. Bottom four in the NFL and, and penalties with ninety nine right now. So and it's mostly his guys. Fucking Cam Irving. Gets a false start, hold something every week, every quarter almost. It's, it's a almost, joke. I don't know if y'all have seen this, but for the listeners, it's almost like uh, the scene in Moneyball where um, the, the 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 general manager wants the team to play one way, but and wants certain players to play, but the coach wants his guys to play because it fits his his style. I mean, his, his motives. So then you, you just had to trade the guy. But the only problem is nobody wants our shitty lineman, and you. You're not going to cut them because, you know, you chose to go out here and give them a shit ton of money. I don't even know what Matt Rule's style is. Okay. Yeah. There's... What, what, what is his style? Because it's it's nothing. Hard-nosed hard hard running and defense. And to, to facilitate that hard-nosed running uh, offense, he went out and got Cam Irving and Pat Elfon on day one of free agency. Versus and, and then drafted a left tackle – who I think is a not great just, left tackle, drafted a left tackle and then publicly told him he's not going to be playing left tackle because his arms are too short. That is the highest graded in PFF history left in tackle. College, in college. Brady Christensen, Brady Christensen may not be a great NFL left tackle, but he's damn sure better than Cam Irving. So this is a guy who – Damn sure gives you a better chance to win. And I don't know how he can't see it. A guy. Well, and, it, all right. It, I, it, I just I, I want to throw one scenario out there before we get in. We can talk about Brady some more. But one scenario when you were talking about it that really um, clicked the the cult the for the culture win. Let's take a look at what happens if we don't get that for the culture win last year and we sure. end up with the number four overall pick somewhere in that. I think it was four. Three. Correct. Three. Three. Okay. Three. three. Well, so you got you got two options. 
one, you never you never trade for for Sam because you know you're gonna draft your QB because you're the reason they traded for Sam is because they didn't think a QB was the QB they wanted was gonna fall. So there's one option. Or two, you get to make that trade with San Francisco and a ton of future assets. So that, that's two scenarios that you cost yourself because of that culture win. Either you draft a Trey Lance or Justin Fields, whatever, whoever ends up being your guy somewhere in that early first. Um, or you trade back, still get a still get a guy like a, a JC or a Sertan, maybe. I'm not, I don't remember where San Francisco traded back to. It's a, traded back from, I don't even remember. But you get assets, which we have none of at the moment. We have no second round pick this year, no third round pick. I mean, it it it's uninspiring because we we're terrible. The coach has no direction and we don't have the assets to get better. So you you may make a good point, but it really doesn't matter who is quarterback because I mean you're building the you know the team and the offense ass backwards if you have the quarterback in place before having a, a formidable line. But I, that's, I, what I mean, every, that's what everybody does these days though. They right, all draft, right. They all draft the, the quarterback in the first round. And and so and I, I, my, my point is, is you're not paying Sam 18 million next year and you have more assets than what you have right now because of trades. Correct. Well, and, and 18 million that they didn't have to you know exercise, but they did right away just because, I mean, you, you had your hands tied behind your back from the beginning. Um, but we, this is Matt Rule sold everybody on player development and sports science, but yet we keep having key injuries to to our key players missing time. You know, what seems to be like weekly, somebody new is dropping like flies. And I get that that's that that's something that happens in the, throughout the NFL season. Player development, there's been no player development whatsoever um, from from I mean from any in, internal standpoint. Well, and, and uh, there's a lot to unpack that. Okay. I want to talk to on, touch on the draft last year and player development, because those are both like great routes to go on. I'll start with the draft. Okay. And even where we were sitting. Okay. Even where we were sitting. Okay. By all accounts, man, look, and this is not a hash on JC Horn. We love JC Horn. We talked about how much we love J.C. Horn. I think J.C. Horn is going to be a baller. That's not the point. The point was we come to find out that's now a luxury pick. And I was wrong on Rashawn Slater. But that kid is a stud. And if I have an excuse of not being an NFL-paid employee to where I can miss on a guy like Rashawn Slater and it be excused, you, as an NFL staff, do not have that luxury when that is one of your biggest needs on the team. Again, I love J.C. Horn. It's great. But I would feel a lot better about the season if Rayshon Slater was playing for us and starting at left tackle and was going to be, by all accounts, an all-pro left tackle for the next 10 years. I would feel a lot better. All right, so you miss on that. All right, you don't take Justin Fields. And you can say what you want about Justin Fields, but Justin Fields has been under Matt Nagy and has still had moments where he's looked like what we thought he would be, okay? So there's two. There's two positions that you really needed that you just said, you know what, guys, that's fine. We're going to not do this. We're going to take 
J.C. Horn, whatever, man. It's great. That's that's a good pick. J.C. Horn's going to be good. But there were other needs. There were other bigger needs that could have been filled from the eight. And then you want to talk about player development? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and, and even that, you don't have to use eight there. We, we're like – a, a rebuilding team like that needs assets. And, and I think he was stuck. So he was stuck so heavily on the fact that we weren't a rebuilding team. We were trade back. And, and, and a guy like Christian Darisaw has had a, a, a very solid, very solid rookie season. And we were high on him. We Absolutely. were very high on Darisaw because I mean, I don't know if you guys know, but he's got really long arms too. Um, so he's, he's a great left tackle. <laughs> so, you didn't use so, and then I, I'm just so so confused by what direction Matt Rule thinks he's taking because you've sold us this whole thing all along about how Rome wasn't built in a day. This is a process. We're going to work through the process. You got to be patient. Yada yada yada. Blase blase blase. But then you are the one who's unpatient, and you know, say what you want about trading back all these other rounds. That's great, but then you don't use these, and that brings me to player development. You want to talk about player development and, and developing players? You took who we all love, Terrace Marshall, and it was a great pick. I mean, lauded by so many analytics guys, so many pro player personnel guys. And he's just been – and comes out, has a great preseason, and then he's just sent to the end of the bench and refused – like, and gets – no run whatsoever hasn't seen a snap count go up hasn't seen his target count go up like i can't remember the last time i even said oh well there's terrace marshall on the field i don't know what we're doing brady christensen where is he what why does he why are we still running him at guard when this utter trash is out there at left tackle and you keep going back to this stupid excuse of arm length i mean whatever the one player that you can say has came along great, has been developed surprisingly, has been Keith Taylor. But Keith Taylor was running behind fucking Rayshon Melvin last week. What 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 is he doing? I, I mean it's just so mind-numbingly frustrating. I don't mean to get animated. I don't mean to yell, but it's just I can't keep watching this week in and week out. And God knows how I'll make it through another offseason and another season of listening to this clown talk about his process and the culture. All this BS, man. You're a used car salesman. You're a snake oil salesman. And I hope Tepper sees through your BS and kicks you to the curb sooner rather than later. So I'll touch on Brady real quick and then I'll talk about you know the projection and at least seeing you know signs of, of things to be excited about. But circling back to Brady is is that um, like y'all mentioned that you during the Washington game when he played left tackle and the only game that he started at left tackle, he graded out as an 89 on PFF. Okay. So this is a guy playing his, his natural position and uh, giving the quarterback time, by the way, the best that the offense is, has probably looked uh, in the last four weeks, uh, except for the Cardinals game. And that really doesn't even count just, just because of the situation surrounding it. So then, you know, hey, Cam Irvin comes back. We're going to move him off the left tackle spot. We're going to move him back to guard. And then what we saw this past week is him playing right guard. So now you're not only changing him to a position that he has said himself that he has never played until he came to the Carolina Panthers, but you're moving him to the opposite side now, and he grades out a whopping 36. So coaching and your, your job as a coach is to put your people in the best possible possible uh position for them to succeed 
And then you look at this and you moved a kid that you spent a, a third round draft pick on it and moved him not only to his, his, not his position, but to the opposite side. Tell me how you're, you're putting your team in a position to win and perform well. And then you have Cam Irving just being a turnstile over here on the left side. And that, I mean, that happens, you know, week after week. So at this point, I'm not surprised, but it takes an, an injury to uh, Michael Jordan or a, a Cam Irving for there to be change in the lineup. And this is just like, you know, with Ron, I mean, Ron was slow to make adjustments and changes until his hand was forced, but rule. I mean, he it's just the definition of insanity It's doing the same thing over and over. And the process is not good. It's not great at all. And, and to get off the offensive line for, for a second, but you know, things that you've, that would actually be encouraging. If you look at Ron Rivera's tenure here and his uh, second season to end the second season, they, they, they won four games in a row and then started off the next season, losing the, the first two games of the season. They, they lost on the last second touchdown to Stevie Johnson against the bills. Uh, and then they lost the, the second game uh, of the season before uh, coming back home to, to face the giants. And then that giants game, Jerry Richardson was down on the field on a golf cart, watching pregame warmups, uh, and there was a lot of lot of smoke that Ron was going to be fired if he lost that game. And the team responded, went out there and won 41 to 10 or something along those lines. Uh, and they went on to win the NFC South. But there was a plan at least in place. I mean, you saw the team coming together when the season was out of hand in that second season to win four games in a row. Well, I'm starting to think that the worst thing for this team is that 3-0 start that happened at the beginning of this year. Because guess what? That's when everything hit. I mean, shit hit the fan. They won three games that they were supposed to win. The fans weren't the ones saying, oh, we're, you know, we're going to the Super Bowl, all this stuff. I mean, it was the front office pounding playoffs, playoffs, uh, playoffs is a goal, throwing the P word around, making moves, bringing in veterans, uh, getting CJ, giving up more assets, um, going and, and, and trading for Stefan Gilmore. And that's when the playoff word really got thrown around. But since these moves have been made, the, the results have, have fallen off. I mean, going back and even looking at the Cowboys game that we lost, that's probably the most encouraging performance that we've had in recent memory since that first three, no stretch. And that was with Sam throwing three interceptions or, or two interceptions. And, you know, we still went down the field. I mean, the, the Cowboys are the fucking two seed in the NFC right now. So the trend right now is going downhill and we've, you know, we pissed away the easiest part of this stretch and, you know, we wasted, any chance at, at making the playoffs as a wild card team. It's just tell me what Matt Rule brings to the table other than a fat overpaid contract uh, and, and underperformance. There's nothing there. And you can say what you want about how great Phil Snow's been on defense this year, but the exotic blitz schemes, they've started to, you know, they've started to disappear. Um, there's a reason that we, uh, are the only team in the NFL to not allow a touchdown on the opening drive. That's because our preparation is good, but when the other team makes an adjustment, we're shut out of luck. I mean, too, I mean, too you talk about the defense, but I mean, I, I think I go back to how frustrating it is as a player on that defense when your offense is consistently not holding up there into the bargain. It's like we can never be on the same page. Offense comes out, has a, you know, a great start, and the defense is off. I mean – like in the Washington game when they just ran it down our freaking throats. All right. It, it but it, it's got to be some level of frustration as a defense to go out there and watch the product that they have to deal with and contend with and try to win a game with. And it's just, 
I, I'm stuck on the sidelines. Like, you know, I'm stuck at home watching on the television and I can't, I'm frustrated. I can't imagine what they're feeling. You know, they're playing their asses off and uh, it's just, it's tough, man. It, it's so tough. And I, the only thing that rule brings is loyalty to a terrible staff. Look at last week. It took Derek Brown not playing for YGM to get more snaps and get put in a position where he could succeed. And then he comes out and has two and a half sacks. Uh, I mean, personnel decisions just keep being baffling, and I don't think they're going to improve. There's nothing that the co- the head coach, I should say, can show me at this point in his tenure for me to have any type of hope that he's the, the right answer at that, that, at that job. Who talked about YGM? All losses. Yeah. He's, he's, got, he's, got a, he's got a lot of talent and physical skills. He's just not been used. I mean, that reminds me of another great pass rusher on our team, his uh, rookie season, lining up at Gunner. I, I just – I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what it's going to take. I, I see so much potential with the roster outside of a, a few positions that we've named, and I don't think it's going to take a vast amount of time for it to be turned around. So I hear these talking heads, you know, I listen to WFNZ a lot, and I, you know, I love some of those guys on there. But tearing it down is not this awful thing that we should all not hope for. Uh, at this point, I, I, I like pieces that we have. I, I feel like with a competent leader on the sideline, you know, with the headset, I feel like you know, we we could be, if not more competitive, uh, winning more games. It's just, it's not going to take this vast amount of time to get this turned around. I just have no faith in Matt Rule to turn it around. I have zero faith that Matt Rule knows what the hell he's doing at this point. He's a great college coach. Wonderful. But the, go back to college. Is is he? He did it at Baylor. Uh, well, yeah, you make a good point. And, you know, he, he lost to Oklahoma twice. So One, one, one year – I mean, he, he was at, what, three pro, – he was head coach at three programs and he was – or was it two? Temple, Temple, Baylor. Temple, Baylor. Yep, and it was year three. So six years of head coaching in college. Two of the years at both were awful, and the third was good. So he has two good head coaching years in college at Temple and Baylor. Is he a good college head coach? Is he a good coach at all? I'd argue no, um, but that's in the pros. I mean, he may go back to the college and succeed. I think that his – message or whatever you want to call it, his program building, uh, I don't even know, is probably more conducive to a college environment. But, you know, where he has, you know, he is the authoritarian. He is the dictator, if you will, of everything. And that works in college. That's fine in college. But these dudes are grown men with lives that are paid to play this game at the highest level possible. And that message is going to fall short if they do not see results. And I'm not saying that the players, you know, aren't playing. I don't, I don't think that's the case whatsoever. I don't think that the players have given up. But I do think that there is probably some behind the scenes, like, man, what is this dude doing going on? Because I, I don't know how they can't be. It's just awful. It's an awful product. And we talked earlier in the group text message, you know, David Tepper is making all these moves in Uptown. 
you know, writings on the wall, stadiums coming. How are you going to sell a new stadium to a city and to PSL owners with this trash that we have to watch on Sundays? How are you going to do it? It's, you it's Matt you Rule's not selling tickets. Sam Darnold damn sure ain't selling tickets. Sam Darnold's the only person he hasn't thrown under the bus this entire year. And even when he did, it was, oh, well, Sam knows he's got to play better than that. I don't know what Cam Newton did to, to Matt Rule. And, you know, God love him. I love Cam Newton. I think everybody knows we love Cam Newton. It hasn't been great. But, my God, he gets dragged through the mud by his own head coach right after a game. It's just – Man, you he's losing. He's losing this fan base. It, it's pathetic. And, People around the National Football League, play, former players, have noticed that that Matt Rule fails to take accountability. And it's a thing when you look and see, you know, look at Trey Boston's Twitter feed, and 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 you'll get a good laugh, and you can tell the how how he feels. And if Darius Butler was on Pat McAfee's show and and saying that he noticed that you know Matt Rule doesn't take accountability, you know, for his mistakes. Um, I, I'll I'll take a second to be honest, real quick, is that you know. I'll, fanhood aside is that I think that Matt probably gets another year and you you look at how we got in this situation and I think it's because first off Dave Tepper got into a bidding war with the New York Giants to hire this guy um, Tepper fell in love with the guy because he quote unquote dresses like shit and is a slob and reminds him a lot of Dave Tepper so Dave's openly said how can I not love this guy and the fucking job interview went from being a job interview to uh, being a recruiting pitch, Matt basically re- recruiting Tepper and saying, okay, well, this is who we're going to go hire, who we need to target. They're coming together. Matt's in, in on the GM search. Uh, I mean, keeping Marty Herney, you know, for, for far too long, that was you know, pretty evident to me that, that Tepper's not as gung ho as people may think that he is. And, uh, you know, if he's made this $72 million investment in the, you know, Matt rule, making him one of the highest paid NFL coaches, and he's giving him all this say in personnel hires and, and player uh, decisions. And, I mean, it's, it, I, it started off where nobody, nobody was on the same page. I mean, in interviews, I mean, Fitterer saying one thing, Tepper was saying one thing, Rule was saying one thing. And you could tell there was just no cohesion there. And it's now it's, I mean, it's calmed down, but you know, Fitterer has made moves to make it to the playoffs and it's kind of failed with the on-field product and injuries. I just think that the only way I think that he doesn't see another year is that if we lose out down the stretch and I mean, Sam's going to get playing time because he's going to see what he has to, what he has, and he's going to try to fall back on Sam. Well, you know, this is what it was, or I just, I just, if it wasn't for urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville, then maybe he comes over more national heat, but it doesn't seem like except for a few that many people are expecting him to potentially even be on the hot seat. And no, it's, because he's, he's somehow still the national media darling. Still. It's what's well, Cam, it's Cam's fault is, is what it will come back to. I mean, you look at, you know, a hundred and some yards passing is what people will read, but they didn't watch the game. You know, and then Matt Rowe wants, wants to run the football. Well, the only rushing production that we're getting is by number one, but you have no problem throwing him under the, beneath the bus, but you know, you don't have a problem running him 15 times a game. And, Corey, you made a point earlier about the get, losing the guys in the locker room. The Lions are ass. And look what they just did for Dan, for, for, for Dan Campbell and, and rallying around him. That's what, like, 
I don't know if he's a good coach or not, but that's what a good coach does. Well, and the thing I will say about them, and I heard this on a podcast earlier in the week, a national podcast, Dan Campbell, at least say what you want about him, he had a plan. That whole staff, that whole front office had a plan. And what's on his staff? A bunch of NFL guys. Yeah. NFL guys, dudes that have done it in this league before, coordinators, running backs, coach. Everybody on his staff has done it before in this league, and they had a plan. And they said, be patient with us. It's going to be ugly, but we're going to get there. And what do they do? They've, they're, they're starting to solidify their offensive line, okay? They're solidifying the trenches before anything else. That's what they're doing. And, and while the record is it's going to be ugly, but they're out there, like you said, playing for this dude because he's done it before and he's cohesive and he has a message and they have a direction that's not total BS. And, and while the record's not there this year, like you said, there's a path forward. And they, I mean, they went out and they beat, they beat the Vikings two weeks, two weeks, two or three weeks ago. And like a game they shouldn't have won, but they did because they're playing for a coach who they see the 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 path forward and, they beat and Matt, the out of the cardinals yeah matt matt has just lost the locker room they're winning close games that they have no business winning when's the last time we've done that with more talent and like you said earlier matt it'd be one thing if it was rivera-esque we started off slow and we strung together a strong ending. Dude, this whole downhill four games in a row, eight games in a row last year, you, you, I mean, you just can't – you can't do this, and you can't bank on winning one of these last three games to save your ass. Uh, let's, mean, look at the, let's look at the wins, though. The Jets, dysfunction. The Saints in week two, we thought that was going to be a good win, but they had half their defense out on the COVID list and just their offense really had no identity yet with Jameis, Taysom, all that, all that. So not really a great win there. Week three, the Texans, arguably probably right now the second worst team in the NFL. I mean, I'd rather play them. I'd rather play them than the Lions right now. Yeah. Um, so that's your that's your three and zero start there. We got excited, admittedly, everyone got excited. But just take a step back and look at that, and then you play the Cardinals with a lot of injuries. So I don't I don't know, just something something to I guess think about when you when just those those wins don't don't look quite as good now in retrospect. I was more encouraged last season than I am this year with Teddy. All things considered, the offense wasn't the problem. Uh, I mean, we didn't have a problem scoring 20-some-odd points a game with, with Teddy Bridgewater back there. I mean, we were in one-score games. I mean, you look at how many one-score games we're in, and albeit we didn't win those, but at least the, that's something to be encouraged about, you know, competing late into the season in year one. And then year two, you're supposed to build on that. Be in more one-score games, win some of those, win those 50-50 games. But we haven't, and they've just been – multiple score losses and it's just it's getting worse and I get that the schedule is getting tougher but you look at that easy stretch and that right there is your evaluation period and you just see that it's not 
it's not trending in the right direction. And the, the reason it's not is because of the decisions that the head coach has made. And it's put us in this predicament. It's just a revolving door. I mean, if you're saying you're going to rebuild, you're not going out and giving Teddy Bridgewater a three-year, $63 million deal. If you say you're rebuilding, you're not going out there and forking out high draft picks for Sam Darnold. Or you're not making those trades for C.J. Henderson or making that trade for Stephon Gilmore or telling them, hey, this is going to make, make, make the playoffs. But your head coach is saying this takes multiple years, and it's you look at his track record and you judge by it, it takes him three seasons to perform. I mean, second year is supposed to be a little bit better. Well, this second year is not. But there's nobody for him to blame when you look at it on paper. It's I made these decisions. I went and signed this guy. This is the guy who I wanted here, and it didn't work out. And you know, at some point in time, you have to face the consequences of your own actions. I think, yeah, and I think his – if he has a saving grace at this point, I think in a way having the deal on the table that he had for Stafford is going to be like, well, this was the guy I wanted, but, you know, things happened and look at him out there. And I think Stafford's probably like, God, I made the best decision of my life. Like, thank God Sean McVay came and saved me. I just – I think at this point – I don't, number one, I don't have any faith in them picking the right QB next year in a down class. I don't have the faith in them picking the right offensive line in a great class next year. So I, I, I don't, man, I don't, I'm, as, if he is retained, if he stays on another year, I'm, it's, this is going to be bleak. I'm, all, I'm always going to be Panthers ride or die, but man, I'm going to be as down as I've been in a long, long time. The path to success in turning this around, no matter who the coach is, is to lose out the rest of the season. Try to get a top five pick, hopefully top three. Don't even know if that's doable at this moment. Um, Five's the highest you can get at this point. Five's the highest. Okay, so so you say you get five. Okay, so your plan should be looking at what we the moves we've made. You better trade back from five. And, and hope you can get stay in the top 10 and accumulate a second round pick and uh, hopefully another first next year or you know, something along those lines at, at minimum. But you need to accumulate multiple draft picks because of the predicament that you've created. So then you can at least build and take multiple shots at offensive line. And, and that way you're going to at least one of those should hit. If not, then you got bigger problems when it comes to player development and player uh, evaluation that I don't even want to talk about. Um, and, and, and then you figure out you figure out the you figure out the quarterback situation either the following year and just ride out with Sam if you can't get rid of the money because unless they go out there and make a trade for Deshaun Watson giving more assets up that we don't have Sam Darnold is probably going to be the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers next year. Well, and what what sucks about that that the offensive lineman route is do we need a left tackle or do we need a left guard? Because we don't know what Brady is. You need a left guard and you need to play Brady Christensen at these last, that, these last three games at left tackle. But will uh, that happen? I mean, and, and looking at the, looking at the, the prospects and the mocks, and I know it's way too early for that, but like to, to even get one of the, you're not, if you want one of those elite tackles that's in this draft, you, you can't even trade back. So it's looking like the best move is trading back to the middle of the first, getting those assets, 
and you'll have somebody like uh, I mean, I mean, Linderbaum right there at, at center is, is projected right there in the 15th, 15th pick or so. And I mean, he's by all accounts, a can't miss prospect in, in the interior offensive line. So, so then, then you're looking at, well, that's not even guard or tackle, but basically you're looking at, in, you're, you're passing on the elite tackles. So you're looking at interior line. And so you've got to make that decision. That that helps if if Brady's a left tackle, then you don't you can you can afford to trade back. If Brady's not a left tackle, then I don't know what you do because you're not going to get one of the left tackles, one of the the top three left tackles by trading back. Well, and and that's the bane of it all is this is the point in the season where we have to find out whether he's on the stat, whether, whether it's rules job and he knows it's his job next year and he has another year, it would make it even more just pure idiocy if he refuses to see what he has at left tackle with Brady. Okay. I understand that if, you know, he's just, he knows he's getting fired, whatever. I'm just going to say, screw it and, you know, do whatever. But if you think you're Matt rule and you think, Hey, I'm good. I've got another year and you still, don't play Brady at left tackle to see what you have, then I don't know what to tell you, man, because you shouldn't be coaching Pop Warner. Like, you've got to see what you have on this roster with these young guys. Shai Smith, Terrace Marshall, Deontay Brown, play them. There's nothing to play for at this point in the season. There's nothing to play for. Talent evaluation. That's what it is. And you've got a good three games of – uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, fuckhead from New Orleans, Cam Jordan, Cam Jordan, Vita Vea, like, Vita. Like this is good evaluation that you have the possibility of getting. Play. I tell, tell you what he's got to lose, and he, he at least what he thinks he's got to lose is his job, and that's why he won't ever make that decision. He, I, I think he, whether there's fire or not under that seat he's coaching like someone who's got fire under his seat and he's not going to, he's not in eval, eval mode. He's in save his ass mode. Scott Fowler and Dan Morgan are going to see through the bullshit at, I mean, whether it's, it, whether he's fired or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what, Scott you, Fowler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, God, don't even fucking stop. Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Scott Fowler, keep writing him great articles, man. Got a lot of, a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, just Fitterer and Morgan are, are eventually going to see through rules bullshit. And I mean, Dan's got pride from just the organization standpoint and being a former player that regardless of if Tepper lets this go on for another year, they're going to say you're not making any more decisions on, on you know who we bring in here because your your evaluations. We're not we're not bringing any more Baylor products. We're not bringing any more Temple products, these small schools. Uh, and signing them as, as, you know, undrafted free agents or, you know, targeting those guys. I mean, fuck. I mean, give me some talent from the SEC. It, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, player development's fine in college, but if you're maxed out before you get into the NFL, guess what? You're probably not going to have a great long career. Yeah, and, and Dan, this is a stepping stone for Dan. Yeah. Dan's got bigger aspirations than being, you know, assistant to Scott Fitterer, all right? Dan wants to be a GM. And he's not going to be patient with, like, this clown making me look bad, you know, and having all this say in 
players and who we take and all these evals, okay? With That's what you want to call them. But I'm just – I want to see what Dan Morgan and Scott Fitter coaching search looks like. I want to see that. That is something I – and that piques my interest, and I get very excited about that prospect. Uh, so, under your head, top three pros- top three candidates right now in your head for you. For me, uh, pipe dream is Kellen Moore. That ain't gonna happen. Um, Eric P- Eric Bieniemy and Doug Peterson. Uh, I know that <laughs> Doug Peterson didn't end well in Philly, but I mean, dude won a Super Bowl. I, I like his offense. Uh, I think it's great, but uh, that's my top three. I do worry with just where Dan Morgan comes from. I don't want any part of Brian Dayball. I just I don't I I don't want that, um, and I don't want like a Daryl Bevel with Fitter coming from Seattle. I'll throw you can throw uh, Byron Leftwich in there for me. I mean, might need a little bit longer, but I think with the right staff, I mean, Arians, um, Tree, uh, you know, see what he's done in, in Tampa. Obviously, the talent level there is is a different world versus um, what we have on, on offensive line, at least, and the offensive side of the ball uh, for the most part. Uh, but Kellen Moore uh, and Bienemy. I mean, I wanted Bienemy the first time around, but was sold on rule, obviously, just because he brought Joe Brady with him, so – that factored into mind a, a little bit more. Um, I, I think regardless that if they do decide to go away from Matt Rule, that the next coach has to be offensive-minded and cannot be another defensive-minded coach. Uh, I mean, it worked for Please Ron, God. but, Please yeah, God. I mean, it's, it, it's time. I mean, that's where the that's the way the, the league's trending. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it, it's time. Yeah, so I think my my two my two likely possibilities were be enemy and Kellen Moore. Um, my pipe dream was just calling up Tomlin and say, do you want to be the highest NFL paid coach ever? Because if you want to, you can come on down. That's my pipe dream. Uh, gun to head, three days before Christmas right now, uh, is Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers next year. Yep. God, no. Please, no. Please. I just don't think they're going to win. I, I, I want it to be no, but the – I think it's going to be yes. I, 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 I'm, I'm pleading with you, Corey. I, I, prom- yeah. I promise I am, but I think it, I think the answer is yes. Smart money's got to be on yes. It, I, the, the first step that will happen is they'll take some personnel decisions away from him, but I think there's just too much invested, in, and Tepper's going to see that year three. If he goes off the Steelers model, Steelers coaches have gotten a longer leash than most. So, I mean, that's just kind of where I'm at, and, he, and the sizable – uh, investment. I mean, it's Dave's money. It doesn't go against the cap. So, I mean, if, if Dave's comfortable with, you know, paying the buyout and, you know, going out and forking out more money for another coach and saying, Hey, I got this one wrong. I mean, that's, that's, that's fine. It's his money. He can do that. But uh, from a logical standpoint, I just don't see him, him doing that, at least not this year. Maybe we can talk about it if they get off to 0 2 start next year, but that's just kind of where my, my head's at. I just, if we lose, if we lose out and it's ugly and we don't find any sort of rhythm on offense or, or anything like that, I think that the pressure cooker from the fans and Dave, and Dave has shown he pays attention to what 
we all spout on Twitter and on message boards and on the radio wave. So I, I think it, I, I just, man, I, how do you keep somebody that loses seven straight games and eight straight games in back-to-back years and doesn't show any sign of improvement? I, I don't, I don't know how you justify that, but I'll say it again. If you two are right and he does keep his job, it is imperative. I don't care who it is. It is imperative that Scott Fitterer, Dan Morgan, and Dave Tepper get together and bring someone in that's been in the NFL before and say, shut up, Rule. He's going on your staff. You're going to listen to his input or you're gone. Point blank, period. The staff needs to be revamped. Yeah. Absolutely. You talked about with Dan Campbell, first-time offensive – I mean, first-time NFL coach, and they surrounded him with NFL talent. Guys who have been in the locker rooms before, guys who have been there. I mean, fuck, Don, Dom Capers is on is on that staff. Deuce Staley. I think that there's a good quote that says, you know, if if you think that you're the smartest person in the room, then you, you're in the wrong room. And I probably just – made that quote awfully, but I think Matt Rule thinks he's always the smartest person in the room, and that's back-assward. If you're the head coach, you need to surround yourself with talent, with people who are smarter than you, with people who have input and know what they're talking about, and don't be so intimidated by people who probably know more than you do. Humble yourself enough to not be the smartest person in the room and to take input from others. It's it's a joke of a staff on the offensive side of the ball. Joke. Don't forget, Joe Brady was the problem. Say what? We, we, we said don't it for forget, weeks. Joe Brady was the problem. We said it, we said it for weeks. Brady was going to be the scapegoat. He was It was set up perfectly. Brady wasn't yeah. his guy. Brady was an outsider that, that pretty much, by all accounts, Tepper was in love with everyone was in love with Brady. Everyone wanted Brady. So that was kind of like a thing that just had to happen. It was what, um, week two, week four, that he was already throwing Brady under the bus, saying that they mm-hmm. were miscommunication, they weren't on the same page, this and that, just openly. And and, and saying that he's that they, they weren't running the ball enough. It's, and it's just we, – we knew that was going to happen. So now his scapegoat's gone. Every, it's, it's his staff. The rest of it is his staff. Um, it's not going any better, but – notice none of his staff has been it's not it's not the staff now it's cam who cam is not his guy it's very well documented he doesn't want cam here um so remember remember when loyalty was what killed killed uh rivera yeah now it's accountability that's uh obviously the rule thing well well, i mean it's accountability and loyalty it's loyalty to the the baylor and temple staff that he has and and not allowing anyone else in it and really not throwing any of that staff under the bus. And the only thing he's throwing under the bus is not his guys. Well, we'll wrap this up uh, late breaking news here. Um, I believe we made a prediction about this, but Brian Burns was named a starter for the 2022 pro bowl. Hassan Reddick uh, is the first alternate and uh, Stefan Gilmore also named the first alternate. Good for Brian. Good for Brian. He he plays his ass off. He deserves it. Uh, I just hate to see his talents wasted on this joke of a staff. So, 
um, closing remark, uh, God, please let rule be fired. I wake up every single day, hoping today's the day and I'm every night of sleep disappointed. Um, it's good to be back with you guys. Good to get a podcast in. I do apologize if any of the wild four-year-old running around here crosses over, uh, but it's, you know, glorious lady night out on, you know, getting her nails done and um, babysitting. So got to get them in when you can. That's right. It, it, it was good to get back on the mic and, and uh, I can't speak for, for the other two, but I'd like to, for us to come up, like to do this a little more, even with the Panthers being awful and with the off season up, coming it's just it's, it's good to get on the mic and, and just just kind of let the frustration out even when they're bad so um other than that all i've got to say is rule out so there's something something's got to give we're hitting the breaking point i mean if you see a 34 to 10 loss this weekend i mean i'm gonna hate it because it's a odds are it's probably the last time i see cam play in bank of america uh as a member of the panthers which really sucks um but all things aside, I'm going to try to enjoy it the best I can. Uh, if it's a 34 to 10 loss, then you know maybe that's uh, maybe that moves the needle in getting rule out the door. Um, I tell you one thing: regardless uh, how the rest of the season goes, uh, it's been fun watching number one back under center for the Panthers. Uh, it's given some life back to the fan base and kind of right at least one wrong uh, that this regime was a part of. <clears throat> so. I think he's shown that he has a lot to, a lot still left in the tank, regardless of the, the everything about the arm uh, and all the hoopla about last week and certain throws. But anyways, uh, just I, I really don't know what I can say. I mean, you know, we'd love to see him go out there and be competitive on Sunday, but also uh, we need the losses at this point just because of where we're at because of this regime. So uh, any closing thoughts, guys? Uh, we'll wrap this up. Thanks for nope. tuning in. Yeah, hate to say it, but Matt's right. We do need the losses as much as I can't stand it. But yeah, I'm sorry for the for the depressing tone on that one, but for the better good. That's that's where we're at. I mean, so it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. So maybe we can all buy into the process that uh, was promised at opening press conference, which we have yet to see any form of a plan of a process or anything. So maybe Matt Rule can actually uh, do some 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 planning this this holiday season and uh, pull a miracle out of his ass. So, all right, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back here in the near future, and uh, hopefully brighter days are ahead. Uh, as always, uh, Wes and Matt and uh, Corey, and uh, we'll see you guys. Later.